listening to the podcast 82488. Streaked across his street in blood red, her letter upstairs in his pillow. The same splash of red heart from the Brooklyn Bridge there on the pavement at his feet. He glances over his shoulder, scanning the dark corners of the courtyard, not sure if the coldness in his throat is hope or dread, if he wants to run into her arms or drag her from her hiding place into the light. But there is no one there. And that was a selection from today's novel, Our Missing Hearts, by author Celeste Ng. doesn't remember much about his mother, but he remembered this. She always had a plan. She would not have taken the trouble to find their new address and the risk of writing him for no reason. Therefore, this letter must mean something. He tells himself this again and again. She'd left them. That was all his father would say. And then, getting down on his knees to look Bert in the eye. It's for the best. Forget about her. I'm not going anywhere. That's all you need to know. Back then, Bird hadn't known what she'd done. He only knew that for weeks, he'd heard his parents' muffled voices in the kitchen long after he was supposed to be asleep. Usually, it was a soothing murmur that lulled him to sleep in minutes, a sign that all was well. But lately, it had been a tug of war instead. First his father's voice, then his mother's, bracing itself, gritting its teeth. Even then, he'd understood it was better not to ask questions. He'd simply nodded and let his father, warm and solid, draw him into his arms. It wasn't until later that he learned the truth, hurled at him on the playground like a stone to the cheek. Your mom is a traitor, D.J. Pierce, spitting on the ground beside Bird's sneakers. Everyone knew his mother was a person of Asian origin. Kung Pao's, some kids called them. This was not news. You could see it in Bird's face. If you looked, all the parts of him that weren't quite his father, hence in the tilt of his cheekbones, the shape of his eyes, being a BAO, the authorities reminded everyone was not. Page 24. Now it is no longer elsewhere. Here are his mother's words streaked across his street in blood red, her letter upstairs in his pillow, the same splash of red heart from the Brooklyn Bridge there on the pavement at his feet. He glances over his shoulder, scanning the dark corners of the courtyard, not sure if the coldness in his throat is hope or dread, if he wants to run into her arms or drag her from her hiding place into the light. But there is no one there, and his father tugs his arm, and he follows his father inside and up the stairs, 
back in the dorm, sweaty and tired from the climb. His father peels off his coat and hangs it on its peg. Bert settles down to finish his homework, but his mind buzzes unruly. He glances at the window toward the courtyard below, but all he can see is their own shabby apartment reflected in the glass. In front of him, his half-finished essay trails into blank white space. Dad, he says. Across the room, his father looks up from his book. He is reading a dictionary, leafing idly from page to page. An old habit Bird finds both peculiar and endearing. Long ago, his parents would spend evenings like this on the couch with their books and sometimes Bird would drape himself over his father's shoulder, then his mother's, sounding out the longest words he could find. These days, the dictionaries are the only books in the apartment, the only books they'd kept when they moved. From his father's eyes, Bird can see he was centuries away, wandering the zigzagging past of some archaic world. He regrets having to call him back from that peaceful golden place, but he has to know. Page 88. You. He thanked them and shouldered the bundle, tucked his brushes in his pocket, and set off on his way. It was winter and bitterly cold. The boy wandered for hours through the dark until he came to a small village where every door was shut tight. Though he could see the glow of the firelight through the windows, no one would answer his knock. A harsh wind began to blow. Snow began to whirl around him in the air like ghosts glowing at his face. At the last house, an old woman peered out. I'm sorry, she said. If I let you in, my husband will kill me. We dare not take in strangers. This whole town is afraid. Afraid, the boy said. Afraid of what? But the woman simply shook her head. In desperation, the boy looked around the deserted street. At the end, just past the outskirts of town, he spotted a small building he hadn't noticed before. What about that, he said, that deserted house? Surely I can stay there just for the night. The old woman seized his hands. That place is dangerous, she said, cursed. It is said that a monster lives there. No one who enters at night ever returns. I am not afraid, the boy said, and anyway, I may as well be eaten by a monster as freeze to death out here in the street. The old woman bowed her head and gave him a torch lit from her cooking fire. Take this, she said, and keep to the small. Then she blessed him and wiped a tear from her cheek. May you see tomorrow, she said, and if you do, I beg you, forgive us.
end, our missing hearts, Celeste. Eight to four, the word eighty and the number eight dot com.